Welcome back to the Workspace Podcast. I am your host, Justin Moran. Today's guest is Steve Pappas. He's the Senior Vice President of a company called Panviva, which is a software company that enables companies to provide their customers with the very best experience possible each time they have an interaction. So we had a great conversation on the importance of doing just that in today's experience economy and how Panviva fits into enabling this. So please sit back, relax, listen, and enjoy. Hey, Steve, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Justin. Why don't you take a few minutes and just sort of introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your career as a customer experience expert and a little bit about your company, and then we'll get into it. Sure, sounds good. So my name is Stephen Pappas. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer as well as Senior Vice President of Panviva Inc. We're based here in Nashua, New Hampshire, and we're part of a larger company group based out of Melbourne, Australia. Our technology is a SaaS-based technology that is geared around providing a better customer experience for our customer's customer. By that, I mean we are a technology enablement platform that helps companies get better procedures so that all of their employees can operate at a five-star performance level. They all can get the information when they need it, the second they need it. So that if you have all of the information to be able to provide better service or be able to handle the customer better or do your job better, what happens is you stop looking for other ways like escalating to a supervisor or putting someone on hold or having to ask one of your neighbors in the cube next to you. Mm. What really ends up happening is that by being able to take better care of the customer or as in any job, a back office type job, being able to handle the transaction or the interaction better, you're able to do it faster, you're able to do it at a higher level of performance, and you're able to have a higher throughput. So I guess you could say we're kind of in the employee performance world Mm -hmm. for the benefit of our customers. Okay. And that is so important today because barriers to entry are so low. Literally anybody can get into almost any industry with a little bit of subject matter expertise and some good people and start competing in, in industries right next to yours. That's very true. We see an awful lot of that coming in and happening. And what we've found, and I I recently wrote an article Mm. on some of the things that small businesses and medium businesses should really be focusing on. It's kind of geared around, you know, the top 10 things to think about that most businesses, when they're trying to compete or they're trying to start up, are not thinking about. Most founders are too busy with all of the macro things that they're not thinking about the ones that really make a difference to the potential customers that are going to make them a bigger company. Yeah, we get so bogged down and just paying attention to the things that are directly in front of us, which is probably a customer interaction you're having today. But I think what the challenge is to gear your processes, your people and your technology towards that next customer. Correct. I mean, maybe we could talk about a few of these things if you don't mind. But some of the things to think about, and and I think of these in terms of, you know, what are the top things that either a founder, an entrepreneur, a sole proprietor, a consultant, or even a small to mid-sized business should be thinking about that allows them to provide a better overall experience so that their customers are gushing over 
how they interacted and how they like your product. Mm. It's that point you want to get them to. You want to get them to that level of delight so that they're almost gushing enough to say, you know what? I want to go online. I want to write a great glowing review about the experience I just had. It was that impactful to me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just good business. The bar has been set where good customer service and good business is now should be the standard. Right. That's just the floor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> how do we go beyond that and how do we make it memorable? We got to get them to that level where they're gushing, they're just loving it so that they're telling everybody about it. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that I tend to teach, and I wrote a recent article on this, was you got to start off with think outside in. Okay. Right? Start thinking from the customer's perspective. Don't think from your product, your service, your internal operations perspective. Start looking at the business from the outside in. That's kind of the out-of-the-box thinking, right? And then you think from there and you start bringing them in-house to that level. Okay. Something simple that most companies forget about and don't even do is capture everything. That's difficult. It is, but you could do something simple. Let's say there's a person at the front desk, there's a person that answers the calls, or there's someone behind a counter. Keep a pad of paper next to them. Have them capture why people are calling in, right? What have the last hundred calls been about? Have they been positive? Have they been negative? Has there been a problem with the product? Are they asking for the hours? Which kind of tells you that you better get them online somewhere because they don't know and they can't self-service themselves. Right. Or is it something else? So just capture all of the interactions because everyone's capturing the transactions. Your automated systems are capturing that. If you've got Swipe or Square, you're capturing those, but you're not capturing the behavior. You're not capturing the interactions and socialize this with your employees. It would be amazing to them if they knew that the last hundred people that called, 50% called for this, 20% called for that, mm -hmm. and some of them called even to say what a great product or a great service it was. That pat on the back goes miles. Right. right. That's kind of the important part when you're doing that because you're trying to also continuously retrain your team to know what's next, what's coming down the pike. Mm -hmm. And capturing the information is really important to do that. Another thing is, you know, when things go wrong or when things go right, capture the context of it. By that, I mean, you know, when customer says, hey, everything was great, I really enjoyed it, you can't do things in a vacuum. Right? You've got to see what are the context around things. What were they doing? What was happening? What was John or Mary doing on the shop floor or in the store? Hmm. What did they do to provide that extra level of service? Mm -hmm. And then make sure you're looking at the context so that everyone can start seeing that and learning from it. So it's not just about the experience or what are the discrete pieces of that experience that were positive and how can that be sort of distributed throughout the rest of the company? Correct. It might not just be the one thing. It might be what led up to it mm. or how it ended. Of course. That was the important piece that you've got to capture. That's important because a lot of times in a sales situation, you don't know at what stage the consumer or the buyer is at. I mean, I recently bought a car and honestly, I think I did my research a month before I set foot 
in a showroom. Mm -hmm. So that means I was all the way to the end of my buying cycle when I walked in and somebody greeted me for the first time thinking I was at the beginning of the buying cycle. So understanding all of those nuances of the context allows the business people to operate at a higher level of performance. So some of the other things that a lot of businesses kind of forget is that the employees are the lifeblood of the business. Now, the customer is where the universe should revolve around the customer, but the employees need to provide that level of experience to the customer. And a lot of times, businesses are operating at such ferocious paces these days that the business owner, the founder, the president, the CEO, they're not stopping to take the time to say, well, wait a minute, we've got to make sure that all employees are expert in our products. We've got to make sure that all employees are gaining knowledge about the industry. It's kind of funny because I've been involved in a lot of pivots in business, a lot of turnarounds, even some software companies that the board probably thought we're going to be sunset. And, you know, I've gone in and looked at them to say, well, okay, is there something here that can be salvaged and turned around? And what will it take to do that? Well, a lot of that information is really in the heads of your employees. People issue. (laughs) And what you find is that I recommend for CEOs to owners to spend more time with each employee. I don't want to call it an undercover boss situation, right. but it really gears around the CEO being on the phones, right? The CEO double jacking in at the call center, the CEO spending time at the front desk or spending time in the back office watching how things get fulfilled and operated and the accounting of those services and transactions are handled. Because I've had CEOs and I've gone into different places and done consulting And once I can get a CEO to actually spend a day in each of those departments, they usually come back and say, I should have done it years ago. Right. I bet. Because they find that their employees will give them so much valuable information, as well as hearing what the customer has to say firsthand. Right. That now all of a sudden they can start to create their own little pivots. They can say, well, my employees need more training in this area, Mm -hmm. or they need better tools, or they need to have additional coaching around what's going on in the industry or what's going on in the buyer's process or the buyer's mind. So the CEO spending that time, it's almost like it's the most free and most valuable focus group you can imagine. Just like having that greater appreciation for what's really going on in the trenches, I think would be most valuable. And you've got a laundry list right from there to be able to affect change quickly Mm. and not necessarily by spending millions of dollars. Sometimes these things are small tweaks. Mm. They're little things to do. Maybe they're around your employees providing a little more incentive or that extra pat on the back. Or maybe they just need to know that their suggestions are being listened to. Right. They're going to go home that day feeling a lot better about their job. Exactly. In all the businesses I've run, I've always said that you've got to be thinking about your employees all the time. Every day. You you have to be aware of things because if they're not happy with the set of tools you give them or the training or all of the resources that they have to do a better job for you and the customer... 
Remember, the conversations that happen about leaving a job, they happen when you're not there. Right. They happen at home. They happen with their family, their extended family, their friends that are saying, well, if you don't get the tools or you don't get the help, why are you still there? Yeah. I've always tried to remember that the success of an employee in an organization is based on not only how they feel in the job, but how they feel when they talk about it when they go home. Mm. You know, are they yeah. gushing to their spouse and to their family? And do they feel good or are they going home and they're, you know, kicking the wastebasket? Right. Yeah. If they're doing that, the excitement about the new position kind of wanes pretty quickly. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, another thing comes to mind that one of the things to think about is, and we all have them on our phones, is take a video tour of the business. Okay. So get in your car. All right. If it's a retail location, get in your car and as you're driving by, not to go off the road here, but you could just hold or have someone else hold up the video to the business. Do a drive by. Mm. Drive by the business. How inviting does it look? Does it look like you'll be able to find parking? Is it going to be easy to get around? Can you find it? Is the signage bright enough and is it prominent enough? Right? And then when you get into the parking lot, how was it to get the space? When you get out of the car, just follow yourself as if it's a, a kind of a body camera all the way into the door. You'll yeah. notice things. And I've had companies do this. They've noticed that they still have Christmas ornaments up in June. Yeah. <laughs> and they saw it on the video. Yeah. Or when you go in, do you hear a greeting on the video? Did someone greet you? Do you feel good? What does it look like? But think about other things, too. It's not only what it looks like, but then remember what it smells like. Could be a, a tire company. Yeah, you want it to smell like tires, but you don't want it to smell like oil. Right. Right? Right. And so, you know, think about all of the senses that someone is going to be impacted by when they walk into the business. Does it smell nice? It's a great tip. I mean, right? you're, you're basically recording the curb appeal. As someone that's never stepped foot in there, what is it really like to walk in? Yeah. All the way through the business, because sometimes people, if it's retail, you know, people are conditioned that the sale counter is in the back hmm. or where the clearance is, that's way in the back. Do you know how to find it? Is it easy to find? I mean, little things like that yeah. are simple and you share it and have your employees watch this video, send it to them and say, what do you notice? What do you notice that can help us build a better business and also be thinking in terms of how do we create a better overall customer experience, not only appealing to the frictionless of how they work with us, but appealing to all of their senses because People remember things differently. Mm -hmm. Some are auditory, you know, some use their nose. Some, it's the audio type, right? It's, was the music too loud or was it offensive, right? Right? Was it inviting? Did it make me want to hang around and look at all the racks or did I get in, do what I want and get out? Right. That's a great point. I mean, you want that experience to be sticky. Right. Meaning they feel comfortable as they walk in. They feel comfortable enough to separate with some money. But they also feel comfortable enough to return. And I guess the return part, you know, to amplify that a little is probably one of the most important is what do you leave them with, mm -hmm. right? How do you celebrate them as a customer? I mean, think about that. You know, everybody looks at customer lifetime value, right? They look at what the acquisition cost of a new customer is, yep. right? So yes, you might not make the money or the profit on their initial purchase, but remember, you're looking for customers for life. 
And if you're judging the customer lifetime value by how much they buy from you in a year or many years, you're also thinking about, are they bringing in their kids? When the kids grow up, are the kids buying their stuff there? Mm -hmm. Or are they buying their insurance from you? Or are they buying, you know, various other services from you, right? So it's how do you expand? Because profit margin is not by the initial customer lifetime value, but it's really about the extended family, their friends, Mm -hmm. their acquaintances, who they're going to talk about. So it's what makes the experience not only nice for them mm-hmm. and delightful, but what makes it memorable that they're willing to talk you up, refer it, and get to that point where they're going to write a great review, glowing review, and then think about how you celebrate them as a new customer. What are you doing for them as a new customer? What do you create as almost a celebrate? And I, I use the term celebrate because that it really is the right term, but celebrate them as a new customer. You know, you're coming into our store. We want to give you the best service and products we possibly can and create a great experience. But we want you to know how thankful we are that you chose us. Right. What are some best practices for approaching customers, asking them for their endorsement or their review of your product or service? What are some tips and tricks people can do? That's an interesting question because I've been almost exclusively in my entire career thinking about how can I either get something written, whether it's a form or something that will be used in marketing, get them to give me a quote, or now it's video. I mean, here at Panviva, in the last couple of years, we've done 177 videos of our customers talking about our product and the difference that it's made in their day-to-day lives, right? So it's kind of funny you ask that because I usually start an initial sales conversation with that fact. I'm going to earn your business to the point where you're going to be part of a family of customers that loves what we do for them. And I hope I'll earn the ability to ask you for a testimonial. That's pretty powerful. The thing that was rolling around in the back of my head when you said 177 was you brought 177 people to the point where they would agree to do that. And so if you show that up front to somebody who's a prospect and say, hey, listen, we've had this many successful engagements, so much so that 177 people have been agreed to record themselves talking about it. That's fantastic. Yeah. And we've sent video crews all over to do that. We're a global company. So, Mm -hmm. you know, even here, based out of this office, we handle everything for North America. So we've either sent video crews or we actually have employees here that do it now, too, that when they're in those customers, they ask, can we spend an extra 15 or 20 minutes just capturing your thoughts? Mm -hmm. Right. So we can show that to other companies, other customers. Right. And the funny thing is that, you know, the natural inclination is... Well, I don't really want my competitors to know that. I'll tell you, we've got a major hospital outside of Chicago that the COO, the chief operating officer, called me up and said, anytime you want me to talk to anyone, even if it's a hospital in our backyard, let me know. They were a customer with us. They went from a couple of hundred seats with us to six and a half thousand seats and more for the entire hospital. And the reason he gave me was, he said, we don't look at it as a competitive or strategic advantage. We look at it as 
if everyone in our area is using a product and a technology that can make us service and provide better care, we're doing the service to our entire community. That's a great point. That's the way they looked at it. Yeah. Now, not everybody will look at it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, some companies will say, well, gee, you know, we don't want a competitor to know the great technologies that we use. But, you know, 177 kind of speaks for itself. Right. Well, I mean, it also speaks to the point that if you have a good experience at a hospital, you're that much more likely to visit any hospital to get good quality care, enjoy that kind of experience. So we've had had that actually that same hospital. An interesting thing comes to mind. While I was there once and I spent a lot of time at these customers and I stand right behind the desk where they're taking care of people Mm -hmm. uh, or I'm in the scheduling call center and they have calls that come in for people that say, hey, I'm having chest pains. Mm. They're calling the hospital to help them. Right now, think about that. In the scheduling department, it could be a 300-person call center that does the scheduling for surgeries or appointments and what have you. You get a call that says, I'm having chest pains. That's an agent. That's not a practitioner, right? Right. They have to be able to mobilize in split seconds to get a nurse practitioner or a doctor on the phone right away. They got to dispatch an ambulance immediately And all that happens in seconds. They have what's called a red-yellow, almost like soccer, right? Red is the most critical. Yellow, okay, I could probably schedule them to just come into the emergency room. And when it's it's red, a red card as they call it, they've got to mobilize fast. Mm. Matter of fact, that happened. And afterwards, the wife of the man who called in for the chest pains called back and wanted to thank them. And I actually interviewed the agent that took the call and the nurse practitioner that helped them. And the wife said, I want to thank you. My husband is alive because of the work you guys did. That's pretty powerful. That's real powerful. Now, one point you have here in the article is something that I've been guilty of from a marketing perspective, but I'm curious what you're about to say about it for a customer experience perspective. That is avoid tech for tech sake. What do you mean by that? So that's kind of anti-technology talk, uh, heresy in some places. (laughs) Maybe including here. (laughs) But the way I look at it is that a lot of businesses, whether they're small, medium-sized businesses or large enterprises with thousands of employees, they look at technology from the wrong perspective. They look at technology as something that they have to do or something that needs to be replaced. But a lot of times, they don't look at technology from the customer's point of view. Hmm. In other words, is this technology that we're thinking about going to help the experience of the customer? Is it going to help them have a better interaction or provide a better transaction that will ultimately lead to a better relationship with that customer? Or is it tech for tech's sake? Are we just buying tech because it's the latest and greatest? It's the shiny new toy. It's what everybody thinks you should have, right? You probably have lots of people inside with, you know, great IT minds that are recommending various things. But at the end of the day, you have to look at your expenditures in technology from the perspective of how does this help the customer, right? Or how does it help us better help the customer, better serve the customer. Now, not all technology 
comes under that category. Some things are more infrastructure based that sure. you have to have. You right? need a database. You need right. app servers Mal- and all malware. That. You've yeah. got to have antivirus, single sign-on, various things like that. But when it comes to the technologies that are going to be as part of the customer ecosystem, let's call it, mm. right? You should look at those pieces in terms of how much better does this make us to uh, handle our customers' needs better. Bots are great, but they might not be great for your industry. Right, right. Now, all the channels, I mean, now is the proliferation of interaction mediums with every customer. You've got your chat bots mm-hmm. because you can operate 24 hours a day and the chat bot never calls in sick, right? <laughs> yeah. Are great, but also it has to make sure that Every channel is aligned, right? So again, let's think through from the customer's perspective. If a customer walks in the door, a customer picks up the phone, a customer tweets to the business, or a customer sends a Facebook message, or a customer is on with the chat bot, mm-hmm. are they getting the same answer? Right. That's the challenge right That's there. That's not easy, no, yeah. right? Because you've got to make sure that your brand and the messaging are all aligned no matter what the channel is, no matter what time of day it is, no matter how many channels the customer wants to use. Mm. Because, you know, what's the worst thing that happens when a customer calls a call center is they call three times to get a different answer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, that actually is a deterrent to customer experience. In the end, maybe they got the answer they wanted, but the friction they went through to get there is what they remember. Very good point, yes. So you want everything (laughs) aligned. You want to make sure your brand stands out. The same fingerprint is on everything, which means all of the content needs to be served from a single source of truth, something that can then morph the information to all the different channels Mm. and can make sure that not only every person that interacts with them, every desk they stop at or every cash register or every agent they talk to or every different channel that they interact with are all giving the exact same answer. So I guess the litmus test there is if that channel, that piece of technology can't convey your brand the way everything else does, then maybe it's something you shouldn't go down. Right. Or it's also something that you should make sure that the core part of it is able to support all of those things. Hmm. If you're looking at technology, make sure that the core technology is one that can do all of that nicely. All right. Let's talk a little bit about omni-channel experiences. They're sort of all the rage, especially in retail. You know, you can go online, you can make the purchase and have it delivered to your home. You can go online, make the purchase and walk into the store and collect it and not even talk to somebody and just walk away with your product. Or you can go inside the store, browse around, choose something and leave. So how are you folks interacting with those kinds of companies that are embracing the omni-channel experience and what are the key takeaways? So that's a good question because the omni-channel is kind of the outgrowth from the multi-channel, right? right? I mean, before years ago, we would just keep adding channels as they became prominent enough and customers were using them. Well, the reality is, is that now the speed of interaction has become so fast mm. that it's easy for a consumer to opt for any channel. So now we have to be thinking in terms of all channels. So it's kind of a universal approach, which means that we really need to make sure that all the technology talks together. The key around omni-channel is really the 
knowledge underneath it, right? All the omni-channel operates on a knowledge base. The one thing that you don't want to do is you don't want to have separate silos. Remember years ago, we used to complain that, oh, in our business, we've got 12 silos of information we have to go through. And right. you know what? They're all different. Yeah. That is the past. The more progressive and forward-thinking companies now are realizing that they need to maintain one knowledge base under the omni-channel strategy. Otherwise, it falls apart. Hmm. It falls apart so quickly your customers will be all over you. Mm -hmm. And instead of servicing them through those channels, you will be trying to salvage them through those channels. Okay. Right? And that really boils down to the knowledge base that's built underneath them that supports them. Even a chatbot or anything in the omni-channel really has to be served up from one single source of truth, which means all of your procedures, all of your processes, all of the interaction types, all of the speech to text that maybe when they call the IVR system, when they call your phone system, yeah. they can press one for information about this or two for information about that, whether it's hours, whether it's location, whether it's directions, etc. Well, all that's coming from a knowledge base. Mm -hmm. That's no longer someone recording all of those trees in the phone system. Yeah. Now they all sit inside of a knowledge base that are basically text that is then being spoken by the IVR system live and dynamic because we can customize, personalize, and provide dynamic changes to that as the business needs. And it can depend on where they're calling from. I mean, if you think about someone like Bank of America, who's a customer of ours too, mm -hmm. if you think of Bank of America and you call for a mortgage from California versus a mortgage from Massachusetts, they're going to be drastically different processes. Right. Same thing is if there's a collections issue or there's a something under the consumer protection laws. Each state has mm. various ways of doing it. So sure. they have to key off of the phone as best they can where the caller ID is coming from. They have to verify and validate much better. But then they have to make sure that they're saying the right disclaimers. They're providing the right information. No matter what channel it is, that means it's all being served up from one knowledge base. The key to the knowledge base is it has to be able to provide two things. One is it has to be able to curate the content for all of the channels. Okay. And then two, it needs almost a digital orchestrator, kind of the traffic cop, right? to be able to say, well, this is going to go out to Alexa and it's going to be spoken by a virtual assistant or Google Home or Cortana. But this piece or this version of the piece is going to go to the IVR system to be spoken when the call comes in. And this is the version that's going to go out on Twitter. So it has to be under a certain size with the right relevant hashtag. See yeah. how complicated it gets? Sure. So the two parts or three, the actual knowledge base that can morph for omni-channel success, the ability to curate the content easily. I mean, this has got to be dead simple content curation in milliseconds it right <laughs> and then the digital orchestrator that's basically the traffic cop that's sending the right message or the right version of the message or the right language of the message sure and the right context <laughs> yeah to the right channel yeah. at the right time that's the way omni-channel really works otherwise wow. if you don't have all of that you're really trying a multi-channel strategy mm. and that's fine for some businesses but these days you have to meet your customer where they want to be so let's talk about how your company fits into this entire discussion. Let's talk a little bit more about the technology and, and how sure. you're helping folks. So our technology really is that knowledge base piece, 
Right. So what we do is we have a real game changer approach to knowledge. We're not your typical knowledge management company because we approach the problem differently. Our approach to the knowledge management problem is provide all of the information that every employee or every customer or every partner needs the second that they need it. Now, to break that down a little bit, that means that if I said to you the answer is blue, you don't have the context of what I meant by that, mm-hmm. right? So I've got to give you the context around it. Otherwise, you cannot turn around to someone else and say, yep, the answer is blue, right? So what you need is you need three layers, right? You need the process, which is the main way of doing things, the sanctioned way of doing things. But, you know, we're not, we don't want people to become robotic about it, but you want to give the right way that has been vetted, not for today, because at midnight, today's over. You want to think about your processes with tomorrow in mind, next year in mind. What if you're going to be acquiring another company? What if there's going to be some other factor in the business's future? Think through those things. So you need the process underneath it. You need the soft skills on top of that. Mm. What do I say? What don't I say? Mm -hmm. What do I avoid saying? And If they don't have the answer to this question, what path do I take to get to the same satisfied end, right? So then you need the soft skills, right? And at the same time with all of that, kind of weaved into it is what the compliance things. I have to do things a certain way because I'm a bank or I'm a credit union or I'm a hospital or I'm an insurance company. I need to do things in a certain way because somebody is going to be checking, (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you've got the process itself, you've got the soft skills, but then you have all of the navigational skills needed. Meaning most businesses today, people operate in eight to ten to twelve different applications that are open on the desktop at any one moment to solve the thing that's in front of them, yeah. to handle the task in front of them. Well, that means I've got to be expert in all of those apps. I've got to be able to navigate in seconds to all of them. So our approach to knowledge is really give an entire payload of what you need for that particular task at the second that you need it. Our goal is three clicks or less. Now, if a click is a quarter of a second, a click of the mouse Mm -hmm. is a quarter of a second, you can see how fast we get you to the answers within the context of what you need to do to provide the best customer experience and allow that customer to feel so delighted that they're willing to talk about you and refer business to you. So our approach to the knowledge base is fundamentally different the way we've been designed from the ground up to solve a problem. So we weren't a technology that was developed and then we had to go find a market and find a problem to solve. We were developed to solve the problem Mm -hmm. itself. And the problem manifests itself even more in an omni-channel environment. So in those cases, the knowledge base that you build with Panviva allows that information to be curated for every channel, and it also directs it to every channel. And we're the only ones that can do that because you can create unlimited derivative versions of the same message based on the calling channel. And it's done so simply. Honestly, if you can use Microsoft Word, you're already overqualified. Okay. (laughs) And our training is all online. You're proficient in no time with it. Matter a couple of 90-minute sessions, 
What we train you on is not how to write. We train you on how to write for performance, how to put the information in so that you're thinking about how can we perform better and make sure that we're providing the best experience. And that's really where our technology and we can be in the largest banks in the world, which we are, and the biggest hospitals, I mean, Stanford being the most recent one, Stanford Medical Center. We've got large insurance companies from Blue Crosses to AAAs Mm -hmm. uh, that all use our products, right down to a 10-person contact center in a credit union. You know, because of the credit union, especially, everybody's got to be an expert. Right. They don't have tons and tons of people. It's not that deep. <laughs> and it's a member experience that makes the difference because technically the members own the credit union. Absolutely. So we, we have a lot of credit unions too that are customers. And But any type of a company that has generally the three things that are present that make sense for using our technology. Okay. One is there's complexity to what they do. Is it complex? If it's not just one rote thing over and over again, and there's complexity to it, that's important. If there's compliance, meaning somebody's looking over your shoulder, whether they be internal or external or governmental, mm-hmm. that's an important piece too. And the other part is if there's change, is it going to change? Does a regulation change? Does the business change? Does it need to have split-second ability to make the change And the very next call, the very next person that walks in the door, the very next interaction is going to benefit by that. Rather than, you know, years ago, you would say, well, we need to change these processes. We're going to have to have IT code that. And it's going to be two weeks before we'll be able to issue that in the Panviva system. It's seconds. Literally, you go in, you make the change. It pushes out there. Imagine if all the ATMs on the East Coast went down. You've got to get that information out and you've got to be able to say, because the phones are going to be lighting up like Christmas trees, you've got to be able to tell them, okay, here's what you need to do. Or if the flu shot is out at the urgent care center near your house and you're calling in and saying, hey, i got to get my flu shot, they're going to say, okay, it's out there, but two and a half miles away, mm. it is available in this location, right? Mm-hmm. So it's when the speed of business is important and you've got that change, complexity, and compliance that's involved, that seems to be a place where we can help. Very good. Do you work best with companies that have all these processes codified, or do you provide more value to people that need to really get their stuff together, if you will? You know, I think it runs the gambit. We've got a lot of partners all over the world that are ready, willing, and able to help customers do all of that. From the upfront strategy work, which mm-hmm. is called a ready, set, go process, which is about three days on site to really dig in and look and do a full inventory. Are all the processes already in some format? Or is there a percentage of them that are in a format, online, on paper, in a binder? Mm-hmm. And then there's a percentage that's in the heads of the subject matter experts. You probably bring up a a good point there that we should talk about for a second is that the tribal knowledge is walking out the door at a faster rate today than ever before in history. The baby boomers are retiring Mm -hmm. and that knowledge and expertise is walking out the door never to be had again. Great point. 
So right now, especially our customers love the fact that they're able to capture all of that knowledge. And we have a process that we teach you how to do in your company, and our partners do also, Mm. that allows it to become part of the fabric of the business. Just a side note that our entire company runs on our platform, meaning if any one position was vacated tomorrow, the person that runs payroll or me that runs the North American operation, Mm -hmm. if any of us were to win the lottery and call up tomorrow and say, hey, not coming in, guess what? The business doesn't suffer because every one of our jobs, every process and every procedure from every one of our jobs is built into our own technology. Very cool. Someone else can pick up and say, okay, I know how to run the payroll. I call this number. I do this. I do this. I do this. Oh, and here's the checks and balances I need to perform. And here's who I need to notify, et cetera. Or it's anything else, you know. Our entire company operates on it because years ago, we felt it's important if people leave, whether they're retiring or they're moving away or someone goes on maternity leave, something as simple as that, that could be a few months worth of downtime for something. You need to have those things. Now, not all businesses have them codified already. A lot of times they're partly done, but we always say, take a few extra minutes and look at it for the future, mm. right? If you're going to move it into a new system like ours, it's real easy to do. It's like using a word processor and you can't actually color outside of the lines because our system enforces how to do it. Everything is done in the actionable voice, so which means there's a verb-noun combination for everything, which means click here, do this, open this, right. add here. It's that verb-noun combination. So everything's written in an actionable voice. Because the last thing you want to do when you're trying to authorize an inhaler for a mom whose kid is at CVS and they're not authorized for it is you have to sift through tons of information, Mm. have to read through tons of information before you get to the bottom that says, yes, it's approved. Right, right, (laughs) right. right, right. You want to get those things up front and center and you want to layer, you know, chunk it out and layer that nice to know behind, but the need to know should be front and center. And that's the way our system operates. So whether it's the hospital that was helping the person that called in with chest pains, or it's someone at CVS trying to get an inhaler, or it could be someone stuck on the side of the road in a not so great area, and they're calling the roadside assistance company, whether it's AAA or, or someone, and says, you know, hey, I need help. You know, the first thing they need to know is, are you safe? Yeah. All of those types of interactions are important. And it could just be the new couple that is looking to live the American dream and get their first home Mm. and have no clue how to go through the mortgage process, right? right? It's all of those types of things. But a lot of them that we run into are not quite codified, but we show them how to do it. And then that becomes something they can do on their own. They Mm -hmm. don't need any help for it. It's something that they can do periodically. And they can say, you know what, let's put some more information in now. And now that we know the process, we don't need to call anybody. Mm -hmm. We can just continue it with another department. And let's just start knocking off department by department. And once they do that and then leverage your technology to spread it around, then off they go. Yeah, we tend to have those enterprise-wide conversations, you know, within (laughs) the first couple of years. I bet. And we don't lose any customers. We have negative attrition for a SaaS company. That's amazing. Amazing. So we're doing something right. But at the end of the day, we provide a better customer experience. We better give a great customer experience too. So we tell them up front, we tell them, we're not going to allow you to fail. 
We're going to be there to help you succeed. And whatever you need, we're there for you. Fantastic. I really appreciate you taking some time today to talk through these fascinating topics. I had fun. This is great. <laughs> so did I. Thank you very much. Now, how can people get a hold of you? So you can get a hold of me either on Twitter, SXP01, on LinkedIn under SXPAPAS, S-X-P-A-P-P-A-S, or through email SPAPAS at panviva, P-A-N-V-I-V-A dot com. Very good. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thanks, Justin. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Once again, that was Steve Pappas of Panviva. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and most importantly, share with your friends. The Workspace Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you have any interest in being a guest sometime, please don't hesitate to reach out. I can be found at info at workspacema.com. Thanks for listening today, and we'll see you on the next one.